Alistair Lukies, founder and CEO of Pollinate, and Dr Mike Lynch, technology entrepreneur and founder of Invoke Capital, discuss how the UK can bring about a supercharged, sustainable tech sector. Well, um, yeah, it's just despite the, the strange times, um, you know, and, and the constant zoom in, it's, um, as you've always known with me, a land of opportunity and out of the opaqueness and, and um, yeah, the inertia that people are feeling, we're seeing such an acceleration, I suppose, of, of the transformation of the way we work and the way we live and all the rest of it. And, and as I think about the sort of fusion industries, so people have finally realized that technology is not an industry, it's all pervasive, it's horizontal, it's, it's, it's in everything we do and always will be. And they think of the verticals coming down and you know the incumbents fusing into so financial services to fintech or medical to medtech. Um, yeah, how do we as a nation, with everything going on, yeah, COVID of course and Brexit, what's going to be our role in that fourth industrial revolution, the fusion industries? Now, I think the first thing is just people realizing that we have to have a role. You know, the fact that there's very little in the way of really advanced tech on the FTSE 100 is, is actually a, a national issue and especially seems to be a bit of a, a, a missed opportunity given how good our, for example, science base is and our, our financial services operations in the, the UK. We ought to be able to, to really capitalise on that. But, you know, I think the, the point about it being a very special time, you know, suddenly the world's being changed and everything's up for grabs. And so now is the opportunity to, to, to really grab that and realize that tomorrow is going to be different to yesterday. We haven't got that inertia. A lot of the business models and approaches that were dying slowly are dying fast now. So no, it's a great time of opportunity. And uh, first thing is to realize that and realize it, it's time to act. And, uh, and then the question is, you know, what are the ways of doing things? And I think we have we have all of the, the fundamental things right. You know, we've got um, great bright people, got great science base. So the question is, how do we how do we get some of these really big tech businesses in the UK? And um, there's all sorts of different things, but some of that's regulation. You know, for example, in your area, fintech. You know, being able to actually take a more forward-looking approach to regulation, being a bit more nimble and flexible, allows new models. You know, same in pharma. You know, we're in a world in um, medical technology now where it's about the individual and all of that regulatory framework that's grown up over the years about cohorts and things like that. So flipping that over or in my world of sort of AI and things like that, understanding the constraints around things like insurance and liability, you know, so that you can actually foster AI. So, so I think there are lots of things that, that can be done. And it, it's really a question of realizing that tomorrow is not going to be the same as yesterday. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. I want to pick up on this theme you just raised, which which really resonates with me. You know, this sense of a purge before and then out of the ashes, you know, comes new opportunity. And of course, all the previous industrial revolutions have, have shown that. <clears throat> in, in fintech, I remember, and you know, you've always been such a great supporter of, of, of ours and uh, yeah, a great champion for, for, for technology. In 2008, you know, people forget when the global financial crisis happened, you know, you couldn't score any points for being positive about banks. Right? There was no politician that was ever going to stand up and say, you know, look at our great banking sector, even though it was 19% of GDP and 37% of Europe's financial services industry in the UK. 
you had this huge challenge that people were just, I don't want to know, don't mention it, right? Just keep quiet because it's bust society, right? And, and so we had to change the narrative. And that's really where fintech was born. And, and you're right to pick up on the regulation because it's not just tech. That's why I talk about fusion. It's, it's fin and tech because if it didn't have the fin, if it didn't have financial services, it's just tech. And, and as I look at Silicon Valley and, you know, I think of their approach to kind of software will eat the world and disruption and we're going we're gonna to destroy that industry. I think that misses a trick because I think in your analogy of nature, and, and we've seen this in COVID, that the stories coming from the ocean, these new voices of the ocean replenishing themselves and the songbirds singing again. I think there is this opportunity to blend right touch regulation incumbency as you say great education but i want to ask you you know we we do that to a level we do bring together you know education tech a bit of investment and the incumbents in corporate venturing but we just hit a glass ceiling don't we in terms of size you've said it our FTSE 100 has barely any tech companies in it what why does that happen? Is it, people say it's the domestic market. I'm not sure I buy into that. Why do you think we can't break through that glass ceiling? I think it's actually capital markets. So, you know, what happens is that our, we now have amazing startups. They become great mid-sized companies and then typically they're sold. So, you know, you look at a deep mind at 400 million. Yeah. Now the backbone of Google AI, you look at Selexa, which became the key technology for Illumina and gene sequencing and all that sort of stuff. So the question is, why why are people selling? And you get this idea that it's all the VCs fault because, you know, they're too short term. But actually, you know, you know, they're actually quite rational people usually. And what it comes down to is that they get to that size and they can either sell and bank the return or because there's no real capital market that's working for tech in the UK, uh, they have to go all the way big enough to become NASDAQ. And that's a hell of a long stretch and a lot of risk and so they, they make what is probably a rational decision to sell so what we've got to do is is get the uk market um, financial market ready so that these companies feel comfortable listing there and they take that 400 million and they become 4 billion and then they become 40 billion and they employ lots of people and they play lots of taxes and they train lots of people and we get that ecosystem going and you know the great thing about it is a relatively small number of successes and then all the fund managers will have to become experts at tech and yeah. people get more comfortable with it and we get back to where we should be which is having five or six of these companies in the in the FTSE 100 and then because you have that that pulls stuff through the whole system so you know, the angel investor is happy to invest because he knows that there's going to be another round and the mid-level guy is happy to invest because he knows he can float it and then the um the public company investors happy to invest because the company will carry on growing so you know we've, we've done a great job in fixing where we were when you and i started you know where yeah. it's getting a startup done was almost impossible in, yeah. in the uk um and we've got these great mid-sized companies we've just got to fix the last part now and the interesting thing about that is that when these companies are successful in the last part that's when the country really gets the payback because yeah. that's start to get the jobs really at scale and you get um, large tax receipts coming back, which will be very helpful in dealing with the fact that, you know, a lot of the technology for these things came out of research that was paid for by the tax. Yeah. So we've got to fix that last bit now. 
Yeah, so 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 let's let's focus on that for a second because I, I absolutely share your your passion and, and of course, you know, we we've both done the hard yards, as you say, in you know, building, um, you know, even even calling yourself an entrepreneur 20 years ago, maybe you got thrown out of the dinner party. So, yeah, as we think about next year and, uh, you know, a, a post-Brexit world, whatever form that takes, you know, Britain is still a very purchasable brand. We know that you and I have been on trade missions with prime ministers. We've, you know, we've been around the world. We're still the sixth, seventh strongest economy in the world. Um, those assets that, that you describe, you know, for UK PLC, I think about faster payments, right? So you think about the fact we have the most integrated real-time payment system in the world. That got, um, you know, the government agreed to let MasterCard buy that. I think that was actually a good decision because MasterCard then internationalized that assets and made commitments to keep, you know, the upside here in the UK. And so Thailand was the first country to buy faster payments and now double the transactions of of uh, faster payments are going through their system compared to the UK. So that's a great UK PLC success story. Yeah, all of the amazing work you've done in and around Cambridge and, and in AI and in, you know, is there something that, that is nationally sellable that can run in parallel to this idea of, you know, finding the unicorn, scaling up these businesses? Is, is there something in UK PLC IP we can sell or is it really down to the companies to, to show the way? No, I think, you know, this is one of the important things. UK has its incredible technology base, fundamental technology base, second to none, you know, just as good as, as, as the US or, or China or anything like that. Um, and what we haven't done in the past is really exploited that and got that into commercial impact. And so we have the difficult bit. You know, we have this incredible asset. But what we've got to do is make sure that the, the payback from that is delivered into the UK. So it's, it's all very well creating world-leading AI and it gets to 400 million and it's bought by someone else and all the money's made elsewhere, and more importantly, the control of that. So I do think with, with you know, whatever you think about Brexit, um, there's an incredible opportunity here. So yeah. you know, there's been lots of talk about the advantages and disadvantages of it, but the real benefit comes now in grabbing the opportunity. And the opportunity is we can break free from things like European regulation. And we can be far more forward-looking, far more nimble, and readjust to this new world that's coming. So, for example, you know, the biggest issue with autonomous vehicles is um, the insurance market. Well, the reason we have airliners flying over us is because of something called the Warsaw Convention, which made that work. We can do things like change the legal framework so that the precedent is right for these sort of things. And then in fintech, obviously, a long list of things. And I. I'd almost disagree with you with one word, which is it's not about light touch regulation. Um, I would say it's about enlightened regulation. So, you know, you don't have to give up the protections that regulators are there to do. But what you're doing is just realizing that the benefit to the public um, is actually different. So, for example, if you've got a new amazing cancer drug um, that might only work on uh, 500 patients a year, but is you know one of these things that knocks out the particular gene that's causing the problem in the mutation, then you know, testing that on a much smaller cohort, you're not risking anything in doing that. Yeah. You have yeah. to be brave and say, look, we've gone from a situation where we used to test drugs on vast trials. Yeah. Now the technology's moved on. And it's <clears throat> 
So I think we've got to be very brave and say, right, we, you know, we are going to move faster. We are going to be cleverer about regulation. And so it's about enlightened regulation in fintech, in pharma, in AI, and the hinterland of stuff around it. And if we do that, put that with our science base, put that with our impact in things like financial services, and create a regulatory framework. And there is a brand out there. There is the UK is the place to come to do this kind of technology for the next era, because that's what we think about, and we put everything in place that you need to do that, and you need to do it here. So yeah. I completely agree with you. Yeah, and, and I was I was stuttering over my coffee. It's it's we refer to it as right touch regulation rather than light touch, and you're you're exactly right. It's somewhere between yeah what what we had to do. So so good example in fintech, for 250 years there hadn't been a new clearing bank in the UK. So we had four clearing banks in the UK. You know their their headquarters were the four buildings around the Bank of England, just down the road from where I am now, and they had owned that monopoly. So all innovation was stunted because only four banks could do the innovation. And you know a bit like when you go onto Virgin Airlines and British Airways at the same time, ironically the prices are the same for the for a flight to the to the US, right? So so competition wasn't working. And after the global financial crisis. We've issued 23 new banking licenses in the UK in the last 10 years. And you've seen neobanks, you know, we've seen banks growing at, at light speed. That's then pulled the incumbents on, so they've had to innovate to keep up. So that, that competition, that right touch regulation. We also have the sandbox, uh, the FCA sandbox, a, a project called Project Innovate, which welcomes, so to your brilliant analogy in, in, in that healthcare example, the cancer example, what they said was, if you've got a fintech idea, you want to get into insurance or a payday lending or you know, a money transfer, come to us as a regulator and have a conversation with us. Come into the sandbox and test it, and we'll tell you whether you're going to comply or not. So that compressed and saved dozens of organizations picking something and then finding out that they didn't comply with the regulation. And so you're right, if we have this twin strategy of right touch regulation in each of these fusion industries and then the capital markets getting excited because we get iconic companies being born and, and growing you know vocalink i come back to we didn't celebrate that vocalink was bought for over a billion by mastercard it's now being used all around the world as a, as a payment system but but i, I want to come just just come back to that supply chain of finance um that you talked about because I know, you know, you've been a very generous investor in tech and uh, advise a lot of people. And in, in my own small way, I try and do the same. We, we rent and raised a big fund. So I've experienced, you know, dealing with the LPs. We're very good, as you say, at startup. We're now getting better at getting to midsize. And then it's this scale up issue that's the challenge. And you've talked about the fact that's because people may sell out. But, but that supply chain above the capital markets, the pension funds, you know, we don't have a sovereign wealth funds that invests internally. You know, we, we follow the guidelines of state aid to the letter while other countries across Europe are helping. You know, Ger Germany have had, 50, I think, 56% of the notifications to uh, Brussels about the fact they've issued state aid to their Mittelstadt during COVID. Is it fair to say that it's got to be right up at that level that the pension funds have got to be incentivized to grow these businesses? Well, I don't I don't even think you need to incentivize. We just need to, again, funnily enough, we're back at regulation. So at the moment, if you're an insurance company or, or a pension fund, there are very 
tight regulations on what you can do. And remember, although our younger colleagues who are starting startups always want more money, um, the, the reality is there is a lot of money out there, but the problem right. is that your insurance company can't invest in these kind of companies. So, you know, a very small freeing up and to say, right, well, you know, if we allow another 1% of those assets to go into tech-type portfolios, which these days are not anything like as risky if they're constructed completely, then yeah. with a lot of money available, the City of London has a vast amount of money. Uh, and so, again, it's actually the right touch idea that you're talking about, which is, you know, uh, realize that these days, actually, you know, the biggest risk you can have as a pension fund at the moment, if you're in the market at the moment, is not to have invested in Facebook and Apple and Google, because nearly all of your return, if you were in uh, on the US market, would have come from that. So, you know, it, it, it is a question of there is a large amount of money there. If you can realize what you've got to fund as a country going forward, you can be a little clever about how that's done and free up some of that money. And the one thing I would just point out is, you know, it's very easy for people to, to suggest that the government should put the money up. And you have things like the British Business Bank. And whilst I think there are good arguments for pump priming once in a while, and there's some special testimony to talk about, um, the reality is that the amount of money government can do here, A, isn't necessary, and B, is too small. You know, by the time you're looking at, so, I. You know, we do Dark Trace. Dark Trace is going to list probably um, beginning of next year. It will be a FTSE 100. But if it's doing a round at the moment, it's 60, 70 million. And um, you know, the problem is, you've got a, 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 I don't know, a business, British business bank set up with 300 million. Then you're talking about three deals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas insurance company assets at the moment in a trillion. Yeah. Um, so it's you know, it is. It, you have to be a bit more sophisticated than just looking at, at doing that. There are cases where a little bit of money does make a very big difference. And it's, it's, it's those special places where the market can't be left to it. Um, and, you know, this is the other interesting thing is that, again, it's about this right touch sophistication idea. If you look at most um, tech deals, it's great that there's a free market. And at the end of the day, if someone comes along and they want to buy the company, that's great. But occasionally, there are things that are so important, they're sovereign. And that's a word we've heard a lot about over the last few years. But and yeah, the Americans, they have this CFIUS model for that, where they'll look at something. So, you know, this ARM debate is really interesting because yeah. you know, ARM is in everything. So whoever controls ARM is an incredibly strong strategic position. Moreover, you put ARM and NVIDIA together and you probably control hardware for everything. Now, in the UK, we have ARM at the moment. We also have something called GraphCore, which is the NVIDIA thing. Put those two together and as a UK asset, that's strategic. Now, our natural reaction in the UK in the past has been very um, black and white about it, a bit like your banking licenses. And, you know, we say, no, no, we mustn't touch any of this stuff. But then you look across the Atlantic and the Americans have a whole mechanism to make sure that an asset like that can't be used against America. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have to be cleverer here. You know, the next century isn't going to be about gunboats. It's going to be about the fact you can turn off the communication system or you can stop someone getting access to the chips. And um, this is all part really of understanding how important this technology ecosystem is the country. It's 
economically important, but it's also strategically and politically important. And so that's why it all comes back to this opportunity we have to think differently, think in a much more nimble way. If we want to use state aid, we can do it now. Yeah. Uh, and as long as we're using it occasionally in the right places, yeah. it's an incredible asset for us post-Brexit. Yeah, and we don't, I think it's a brilliant point, Mike. Um, yeah, we don't have to win in everything. We're never going to be as good at India as offshoring. We're never, you know, Israel's amazing at security. But I, I just want to sort of put you on the spot a bit. I, I'm so passionate about this idea of fusion, of, of right-touch regulation, you know, take the incumbency, blend it into technology, you know, change the engine in mid-flight, evolve the industry. Um, and we, we are doing that in fintech, and there's a, a big review being done by Ron Khalifa at the moment um, called the, the Khalifa Review on, on fintech and trying to use that as a cut-and-paste example into other industries. If we've got a trivial soup counter, I love trivial soup, right? So there's six bits of cheese. Um, you know, so you've mentioned pharma tech, you know, there's agri-tech, there's infrastructure tech, there's creative, and our creative industry is incredible in the UK. What would you say would be the good bets for us as an, you know, if we could be globally playing seriously at the top table in six industries, what, what do you think are the ones that we can win in? Well, it, it's what we're really good at. So, you know, we're second to none in AI research and we've actually produced lots of the key technology companies in that area, which are now part of other companies. So you've got a farmer, again, yeah, amazing farmer industry in the UK, perhaps not as entrepreneurial because of regulation. Yeah. So I think we could let uh, you know a lot more smaller plants grow uh, on that one. FinTech, you know, we're coming from a situation where we're world leaders in financial services and you know we both have to defend that by understanding it has to change and we have to take the opportunity of that. So I think those are the the very obvious key ones. You know, we're just talking about chip design, the farm, you know, absolutely yeah. up there. So what an embarrassment of riches and we could carry on you know we've got other things coming along so for example some of the quantum stuff that's there um the, the problem not the tech the problem not the the assets that we have the thing we have to do is really understand that it is a incredible opportunity to take that and be at the top table and if we miss that opportunity, yeah. uh, we will be relegated to being irrelevant. And we have um, those assets. We just need to get them up to that level where they're sitting in the UK and they're 40, 50 billion dollar businesses. Yeah. And they're building that ecosystem, which will really make us a powerhouse for the next century. It's, it's an amazing time. It's a bit like, you know, a digital version of watching, you know, Brunel see a steam engine go past him that's the moment of opportunity we're in now no that's awesomely exciting and inspiring and so so we're going to finish up but you know be an open nation right so this is what i mean be be open to trade you know we, we can be more nimble Absolutely. be open we're not tied um create right touch regulation so the right balance so still protect people but help things evolve and if the incumbents aren't evolving themselves, then use a bit of stick as well as a bit of carrot to get them to evolve. Yeah. Um, and then by doing that, you open up new aqueducts of capital that can then flow into these businesses 
And I suppose what I'm hearing from you, which I completely support, is let's be bold in this fourth industrial revolution and let's just get two or three home runs and then others will follow. Yeah, now is the time to be bold. And we only have to prime the pump once and it will run by itself. Awesome. Mike, it's so good to see you. Thanks for all you do uh, in the industry and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Stay well. You as well, Al.